0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist
1: hi everyone So, a bit of the dispiriting week in fpl for the majority and me personally so far at half time in this double game week all still to play for, of course, with many of us having doublers galore for the final couple of games on Wednesday night. But nonetheless, we come at you this time for a somber, shorter, and in my case, sober pod <laughs> in what's likely to be a shorter pod format today uh, due to the time of recording, meaning you know, all we'll have to say to anything looking to the future is it depends. So we thought we'd keep it short and sweet and talk about something which is kind of a meditation on something which affects everyone all the time in FPL. And Lucy's just undergone her first few. Well, that news instantly dates the pod moment. So uh, we're keen to conserve our energy until we've got more information, basically. How are you doing, Lucy? You all okay?
0: I'm all right. right. Probably better than your opening introduction, which sounded like you were at some kind of funeral. Is that is that how you feel about your game week? Is that is that where we're at?
1: No, no, it's just because I haven't had any beers. So this, this, is, how oh, I okay. this is how I am normally. Right. I, it's like fun, fun Bobby without the alcohol. Um, Yeah.
0: All right, we'll move on quickly. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on the main account on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me, Lucy, at Lucy Hynett. On the pod today, as Tom's kind of said, this will be a shorter one as we're midway through yet another double game week. We'll have a quick review of how we're doing so far. Spoiler alert, not very well. And then the rest of the pod will be a discussion on EO, that's effective ownership, and its impact on the next few weeks. After last week's pod was dated so early by the Double Game Week announcement, we're not going to look too far ahead. So we'll be back next week for a fuller fat pod when we can look ahead with all of the facts, including potential chip strategies. We're recording on the evening of Monday, the 27th of February, so there's a lot still to happen
1: yep indeed sorry we can't do anything later in the week sadly not at that age anymore i can just do a wednesday night pod up until about 11 12 you know and lucy wouldn't be awake at that point anyway life gets in the way i mean it's just one of those things that we'll have to just bear with it this week we'll we'll cover everything next week and meantime i thoroughly recommend you check out the lights of planet fpl who'll doubtless walk you through all the permutations once we've got the fa cup results etc etc no mini league update we'll sack off market force as well as that you know a lot of that will depend on the FA Cup results and whether Liverpool are a fixture in 28, for example. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we are. How are you feeling about double game weeks now? Honestly? I mean, we've, I've spoken about my kind of deepening despair about them. And the elephant in the room, I guess, is that probably we'll get less people listening to this pod uh, as weeks before because it's not gotten as well as hope for people. Uh, but do you think also that too much football has basically drained some enthusiasm too? Because it's, it is it is quite relentless, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's super packed the scheduling everywhere. They're clearly running out of places which, which is why we get all of these double game weeks. They've the World Cups caused kind of complete chaos with the schedule. So, yeah, just football all of the time on every channel for every competition. And when you support a football team who is really bad, <laughs> That only makes it even worse because, you you know, it's very difficult to get interested in a league where your team sits at the bottom of it and is expected to lose every game.
1: Oh, that's always good to announce on the FPL podcast. But hey, there we go. Yeah, there, there we go. Right. Uh, game week update. How are you doing so far?
0: Um, I'm on a very small red arrow as of recording, and I feel given some of the despair and panic on Twitter, I feel that maybe I shouldn't be complaining about that. So I'm only down around 1500 places, um, sitting on 40 points after my minus four. So I was on 44 minus four. Um, in the end, having discussed it at length, I dived head first into KDB to Salah and Kane to Darwin with my two free transfers, which financed Patterson to Trent once it emerged that Patterson wouldn't be fit to play any part of the double. Obviously, that came to Darwin bit hasn't worked out. It doesn't look likely to work out. I'm sure that's more on that later. Um, but this set of moves meant I kept Ake, who was very fortunate to be subbed before City conceded. Commiserations to the Edison owners out there. All of my other single game week guys were a colossal disappointment with one-pointers for Nonto, Andreas and Kepa. So, um, yeah, it's not been great, but it's not been a disaster. And I'm kind of taking that as a small win
1: exactly well but i've got a smallest red arrow as well shockingly but i'm on my free hit, so i guess the whole week kind of had a bit more promise for me i suppose i'm, I'm seeing it as being two 0 down at half time effectively and um, but this is why Lucio, i'm always very downbeat and whenever i say i've done well or about my expectations for the week because if you always have low expectations that way you're never disappointed and instead i can say i told you so but hey, I mean, that's kind of the way it was. I mean, I think the, the very start was when, you know, we were talking about on um, on Friday, weren't we, about Saka and Salah and the, where, where the EO would go, uh, linking into what we'll talk about later. And you were right that you know, Saka's likely to have more, a higher EO over 100% and Salah wouldn't get there. So probably you'd captain Saka. So you're going to have, you have an extra player rather than captaining Salah and you have let one less player because you'll have Saka over 100% EO. Uh, what happened was obviously that. I saw a tweet by Fix predicting that the higher EO for Salah was going to happen over Saka. I think, in fairness to them, I think they were t- looking at top 100k rather than top 10k. Um, but yeah, basically, it was it was a bit crap. I went, I captured Salah. Top
0: 100k, it was miles uh, off.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't great. And um, I, yeah, basically, I went into double game week on nine men, despite having free hits it, which was a bit rubbish because Saka and Salah were immediately out of the reckoning for me. Um, so I'm on 35 at the moment, 38 if Grealish comes on for Nunez. Um, No regrets, obviously. I set out my reasons and they stand. I'm just very glad I didn't take a minus 12 alongside, you know, this score to get to where I am. But yeah, it just felt like a week where lots of negative outcomes hit at once. So the Watkins penalty to wipe out the double, Everton clean sheet, like Bill didn't like scoring before that. Uh, Henderson blocking a salary assist for a Trent goal. What was he doing? Absolutely no idea what he was doing there. But I mean, if that goes in, that kind of, you know, makes the first half, at least. Absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, Salah onside the bar. Madison injured, so uh, brogers decides to take off. His only threat in Nacho later on in the game. And uh, I think Leicester recorded the lowest XG ever in a Premier League match, just as I sold at Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, temporarily, of course, on a free hit. And the, f- the fast at Man City. So Mahrez benched despite missing the last Premier League game. For Foden, who gets double jute hole. Oh dear! I mean, it was always going to be about getting the midfielder right, and no, I did not. So I only got one return, who wasn't Haaland, and that was Trent for a clean sheet. Pathetic. Uh, at least Salah Max Saka, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Um, nine players left, effectively eight, nine with captain, maybe eight if Darwin doesn't show up. And I've, I just, I just remain really pleased, Lucy. I've only rented the shower of excrement rather than owning them outright uh, which we'll discuss a bit more later as well um yeah it's it's definitely uh one of those weeks where i think loads of people are a little bit upset about it or at least kind of a bit not I think upset is probably the wrong word because it is only fantasy football after all but a little bit down about their the fpl dimension of their lives right now but hey you could all change on wednesday we need to see
0: yeah and i think that's probably worth pointing out is that it's a double game week so the whole point when you go big for these players is for the second game, and we haven't had the second game yet. So I wouldn't lose all hope because there's all there's plenty of opportunity for it to improve. If you're on triple Everton defence, maybe less hope.
1: Yeah, indeed, Pickford can get saves though, isn't he? <laughs> Um, I'm only going to take one question this week. Apologies to those who asked about stuff like, is it time to move on player X for player Y? We simply can't answer that at the moment, given the timing of the pods, which again, can't be helped due to life. Uh, But The one I will take just to discuss kind of the chances we made, et cetera, was Nathan Jacobson, FPR Melt, He asked, do you think content creators get into each other's heads too much about who to pick? He said he was surprised to see uh, Darwin was picked despite the injury concerns by so many people. Obviously, he said it looks like hindsight, but I said so at the time. I didn't go with him on my free hit, so it certainly makes sense. Well, do you get affected by other people doing things? I mean, we spoke about kind of Mitro, didn't we, back at that time when um, you captained him because you were seeing loads of people do it. I mean, does that happen classically for you or is it quite like a a, a rare thing?
0: That wasn't the only reason I captained Mitrovich. We went through it at length. That that wasn't the only reason. I know. I did it. I'm
1: just setting you up a little bit there.
0: Um, I find I can get sucked in. If I'm being completely honest, I can get sucked into it on like big captaincy decisions, and I think that's probably a bit to do with EO, and we'll probably discuss that later. Um, I don't find for things like this that I get sucked into it so much. Um, just because I think you have to acknowledge in FPL that you're not always going to have the optimal team of a given week you know sometimes it's about taking a kind of mere week on the chin because you know that you're better set up for a coming week or vice versa so i don't tend to get rumbled by these i don't think and there was quite a big darwin move on twitter which i can see looked like fomo on a lot of, in a lot of cases and maybe it was for some people um i think there is quite a lot of hindsight in that question um just in the basis on the basis that i don't think we could have anticipated that Darwin could now possibly miss both games. We just weren't given that information. There was um, kind of mention of knocks and niggles and things like that from Klopp, but there was no suggestion that someone would completely miss the game. Um, And that's probably one of those press conferences that kind of makes a bit of a mockery of it all in the sense that we often will delay our transfers until we've heard this news and this news isn't actually very reliable. I was someone who went for for Darwin. I don't know if I'd have done it for a hit, but I did it for free and I felt quite comfortable with it. Yeah. I was aware of the risk. I think perhaps some content creators didn't acknowledge that risk enough. That I, I thought there was a decent possibility that I'd only get a sub out of him um, at the weekend. I didn't think he would miss the game completely because we just didn't have the information to suggest that was the case. And if he'd got like, at one point of the weekend and was ready to start this, this week, I think we'd have felt okay about it. Yeah. It's just the fact that he's likely to miss both that makes it all look a bit stupid
1: yeah definitely i mean, i think the point about content creators getting each other's heads i mean i, I know it's a no for me like i personally couldn't give a toss what content creators say or do i listen to two pods which are my favorites above average and planet and even then it's like i'll hear the advice but i often know what i agree with and don't agree with from that it's not it's not as if it's bad advice it's just i, I know how they like to think and what i kind of take from that and what i think is just kind of their way of doing things which I don't quite agree with. Um, and the wider ephemera, like Twitter, Jesus Christ, I've spoken about this often enough, but yeah, it's a load of noise on there. But the, the best way I can express it, I was thinking about this, um, just I was pacing around earlier, waiting for Lucy to finally show up to this, to this late night pod <laughs> for, for context it's at 7pm. Um, <laughs> the best way I could think of to express this is like, I don't look at football Twitter at all because I think it's all subjective nonsense and people trying to farm views and interactions as far as possible. And I think the FPL world, sadly, on Twitter has become a bit like that. There's a few people I'll engage with privately if I want to hear their views, people whose views I trust. But otherwise, it's kind of, I just treat it as light entertainment. when I'm on the tea break. I don't use it as a source of information anymore. So like content creators, yeah, it is what it is. And I, I went with Nunez, same as Lucy, because it, judging by the information we had. So he played over 60 minutes against Real Madrid. um, And obviously the difference he makes Liverpool is clear in terms of the mad XGI per 90. Um, Klopp being non-committal in the press conference was obviously highly annoying. Um, And I think um, people last week with Jan and Lucy were talking about Robertson being the other guy. Um, But the SUC was worrying me too much. Really, when it came to Robertson, um, simple as, and it's, it's not worked out. But I mean, it could have, and it still could, if he does shot versus Wolves. But we'll need to see about that. I think you know you mentioned quickly there about the uh, press conferences in 2023. It, it really does feel like you know what's the point now, right? I, I think I've lost count of the amount of times that. Over the last kind of six years I've been doing this and the amount of times I've kind of thought, oh, I'll wait for the press conference on Thursday or Friday and then I'll have have what I need to know to make my decision. And often it's just, it's just nonsense. You don't hear anything about it. The manager's not asked or the manager's just completely non-committal or says there are a few knocks and injuries like Klopp said. They're, they're just becoming increasingly just an annoyance, aren't they, Lucy?
0: Yeah, I feel like this almost should be almost an obligation that if you're going to mention injuries, you have to give us some kind of fractured information or at least name names. I just it feels to the point where you're just like, why am I waiting for this information? Because it's going to make absolutely no impact on my strategy. Like, <laughs> I just despair a little bit. That's all.
1: Yeah, I feel like they're just there's the way to generate clickbait and newsca- newspaper sales by casting the things managers say as a part of the continuing, you know, high drama. Um, which becomes part of the football cycle and it's become more and more transparent now like, it's incredible really like i guess one insight i'll give from my professional life is that like the structure of a press conference is very much like what i do a lot of the time so i've i'm a qualitative researcher by training so of interviews focus groups all this sort of thing and the analysis of that is basically pouring through transcripts of what people have said much like what people who report in press conferences do and what do i do when i analyze that i ignore the majority of it most of what is said is known as phatic speech. So it's just sort of placeholder stuff we say, things like cultural normative exchanges. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a cultural exchange as a greeting. And lots of other stuff in speech is often totally irrelevant too. What is relevant, though, is often... Five or six sentences, you know, a couple of passages, which are known as emphatic. So they're the things which are relevant to what you're trying to find out about. Think of basically all the other extraneous stuff on the transcripts or whatever being grayed out and a few bits being highlighted and emboldened. Uh, This is true of quite a few things as well, actually. So think about the last time you went out and saw a friend, for example. You remember the emphatic bits. So say, you know, you you saw a friend one day and you saw a mutual friend the next and they said, oh, you saw so-and-so the other day. How are they? You don't remember things like the greeting or, you know, the sandwich they had for lunch, but things like, you know, the emphatic moments about the conversation they're having with their partner. They, they both had a big argument or they're having trouble at work. Like those are the sort of things you relay rather than the emphatic bits. So they're completely anonymous and completely irrelevant. And applying that to press conferences, it's completely the same. Like if you've ever watched one, you quickly realize it's just meaningless guff. Platitudes, cliches, a charade of performative management, isn't it? Then there's one line or one sentence which managers say, which is then picked up by the press and then used. Uh, for example, Eric Ten Hag's press conference before the League Cup final, entirely forgettable except he said one thing, which was that Newcastle were annoying to play against, and suddenly that was everywhere. That Ten Hag labels Newcastle annoying. It's, it's it's just ridiculous really and and you know obviously fantasy football first people we want the injury news to come out but it just seems like it's just all a big sort of you know, uh, headline generator rather than it being actually anything factual so I think it's just one of the things we've come to expect frustration really haven't we
0: I think it's also another one where social media like we we're talking about social media contributing to kind of the general noise about FPL decisions um I think social Social media has also created an environment where people regularly paraphrase what managers say and and not entirely accurately, just so that they can get clicks on their articles. (laughs) So often you'll see X player expected to be out for six to eight weeks, and then you click on it and they're like, "Oh, we're not sure when he's back." And so that they've extrapolated from that that he might be back. If if it's a hamstring injury, then it could mean this. Therefore, do do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't even the headlines you get aren't actually. reflective of what the manager actually said so it's like they have even just ignored those sentences that are relevant and just made them into a more interesting story for the sake of clicks so i think that's another massive issue as well
1: yeah loads of armchair physios out there but the the final thing to mention this week is that um you know what we saw this week was really interesting. Again, you kind of mentioned it when you're talking about your position. This, in terms of this game week, there was just so many big hits going on this week, and I don't, I don't know. Like, obviously, I listened to a couple of pods, and obviously, when they said they were taking huge hits, I was like, mm, I'm not sure about that. So I didn't take anything from it. Um, I don't know whether it's my newfound sense of caution, Lucy, you know, my conservatism when it comes to points hits, but wow, you know the amount of people throwing out you know minus eights, minus twelves, I just felt like I totally skipped a beat somewhere. Like, you know, without being too flippant, we've all been aware of this blank for quite a while, yet people were still chucking out huge hits to get there, despite there being an apparent plan in place that those people had.
0: Um, I think it's slightly different because although we did know about the blank game week, we didn't know for a very long time that it was a double game week. And I think that's what's Maybe. encouraged people to take hits that they wouldn't have otherwise taken. You know, I think for a while people were saying, oh, I'm only going to get eight or nine players out and that's fine because it's a blank game week and the scores are always rubbish anyway. And then the double game week came out and people thought, oh, well, it might be worth taking a few hits when we get there because it gains me an extra fixture. Um, so I'd, like I'd to give people a bit of credit, i don't know if it was that reactionary because I think people evaluated that the extra fixture was probably... They evaluated in their minds that that was more valuable than, say, you or I had, I think, probably. Hmm. I only really ever looked at a minus four, which I did end up taking, and I hadn't looked any further than that. But I think that was just how... It was very team-dependent. I think it was just how my team was set up. I'd always thought that I would get 11 out for this game week, regardless of whether it was double, and it was just that the extra... The double kind of yeah. in- incentivized me to take the take the hit, so I just think it's probably one of those things where we weren't able to prepare as much as we'd like to, and then you're left with a difficult decision of whether you leave it completely or you dive in and, and take the gamble.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what the reaction to this is because I I do think, and I was speaking to uh, my friend Ray just on Twitter before we came on. I, I think there'll be lots of people wielding their wildcards this week especially if Liverpool don't do well versus Wolves, to provide that veneer of respectability to decisions decision to triple up or don't get up 28. I don't know. I, I think there'll be a realisation maybe that people have tossed out United players, for example, uh, ahead of a game against an out-of-sorts, depleted Liverpool, and then they've got Southampton at home. Sorry, Lucy. And there's a blank in which p- those people are going to be forgetting anyway, even decent double game week. I mean... I don't know, I, I suspect the phrase bad bet will be thrown out quite a lot this week. There's a bad bet, you know, let's move on, let's uh, you know, wildcard out of it. I mean that's absolutely that's absolutely okay, just taking what you said for sure. Like it's absolutely okay. It's not a criticism. Like, having no plan is absolutely okay in FPL a lot of the time. And saying it depends is absolutely okay in FPL all the time, basically as well. I just yeah, I, I I feel like people will end up wild carding it's probably a good thing to be fair because they're not going to be you know showing faith and sunk cost in themselves into sticking with Liverpool even if uh, a wild card is better but I don't know it's interesting to listen to objectively because it's probably a bit of a sting in the tail for people who have taken a minus eight or a minus 12 to then be looking at a wild card straight away that feels a bit a bit uncomfortable but sometimes you know it's team specific as you said.
0: I think also you shouldn't panic if you you're on three Liverpool, and you think, "Oh God, there's no way I want to carry three Liverpool." But I also don't want to wildcard because I think there are quite decent exit routes. Obviously, Salah's a premium midfielder, so you can pretty much go anywhere you want with him. Darwin looks a great one to sell for Tony with this double coming up. So Trent, Trent, and Robertson, you're probably more stuck with because obviously we, you can go down from them, but there isn't really anywhere sideways to go. Mm. Um, but I don't think it's like a massive crisis. I think. More of the problem is if you've got three of those and got double Everton or a couple of Wolves or whatever, then I think you're probably starting to wonder why you did it because there's just so much to untangle. But I wouldn't panic too much if you are looking at thinking, why have I got these players? I think there are plenty of ways to spin out of it, knowing that you've got other doubles to just double down your bets on, really.
1: Maybe I mean I might even end up wildcarding myself if I find a route that includes you know that working out for me after finding out what the fixtures are. Like all options are open, um, and if everyone's smushed into a similar team, like all it will take is one sort, of one or two of the big voices, and in, in on at least in the FPL community to say, "Oh, wildcard active," and suddenly I think that you'll find a lot of kind of average kind of engaged managers will kind of follow that because I think a lot of teams are quite similar. Anyway, uh, to be decided nearer the time. No point worrying about it at this stage. We simply don't know what the outcome of that is going to be. Right, so let's move on to the main topic this week. Short one. Um, all about EO effective ownership. EO, Lucy, what is it? What's your best definition of it?
0: Why would you put me on the spotlight I haven't <sighs> written it down? You have.
1: Know. Fine. <laughs> around around your rank, it's how do players either you own or not own impacts you if they perform or don't basically. So how much does you owning this player versus the other players around your kind of rank, if they get score points, how many places do you go up or go down relative to how much the other managers own this player? Captain C can see players reach over 100% EO. And as we'll talk about soon, this can mean that multiple players hit 100% EO in a single week. I mean, you're effectively down the player despite actually owning them. And that's probably as far as I can get. Um, There's also something called a safety score, um, which I'm sure you'll know about. Um, But that's basically the idea that you need to hit this score uh, to get a green arrow this week. Um, And that's normally a good gauge to see where I am versus the safety score and hoping or calculating what you're going to need to get over your last kind of three or four players to get yourself there especially if you're near really close often it's kind of something that you watch very closely I mean how do you feel about EO Lucy do you wish you simply didn't know is it positive or negative like how do you view it
0: I think I've always been quite open about the fact that I do consider EO in some close decisions and I find it useful I think I know a lot of people are great advocates at looking at expected value and potential points in isolation, regardless of who owns them. But I really think it helps with assessing risk and exposure in tight decisions. I do think there's a danger that you go too far with acknowledging EO and it kind of becomes a slightly blinding, kind of slightly too anchoring in your decision making. And it it can make you a bit too averse to risk. Or on the counterpoint, for some people, can make you embrace risk too much because you see those shiny differential stars and think I'll have lots of those. Um, so I think it can cloud your judgment if you're not careful about it. But I think in close decision making, it can be really useful in terms of giving you information about what risk might be behind those decisions and where you might be able to see advantages. See, for example, our Saka-Sala situation earlier in the week. Oh,
1: interesting. I, I come at that from a different angle, basically. I, I was thinking, you know, I, I can see why it exists, you know, core mechanism that decides how you do every week. I understand completely why it exists. Uh, but I do wish I didn't know about it. Like, it's definitely a case of losing the magic of FPL a bit because it kind of just peels back the curtain. You can kind of see the mech, the cog sort of turning and you can see how it all sort of works. Because now, uh, obviously, I'm far down the rabbit hole of FPL, but when my players scored, I don't think. Yeah, my players scored. Great. I think. You know, okay, he's he scored, but he's nine percent owned. So who cares? Like, and that's a that's a really bad thing because basically for me EO diminishes the potential for joy <laughs> in FPL a little bit. And and I think knowing about it has been a bit of a curse. So you know, someone like Trippier this season or Rashford recently that like only in the beginning was absolutely ace and placed a lot of prominence on getting a player before he becomes the sort of player where recently you're like well he scored either who cares or damn that's kind of actually hurt me a little bit i, I don't know I, I for me i feel like kind of the youthful exuberance i had about e- fpl they get punctured a bit by you know, the advances in understanding eo and it's become fpl has become a bit kind of, i guess demystified um which is obviously a good thing in some ways it's like you know how data demystifies football a little bit but at the same time there's something about the magic of it which um EO does take away, and I found that quite difficult to kind of, kind of get over it. I mean, week to week, do you like follow it a lot? Do you are you on live FPL etc. etc. that much?
0: um I probably look at live FPL maybe once at the beginning of the game weeks to have a look at what the potential impacts might be, and then I probably look at the end of each match day. So on a Saturday evening or on a Sunday evening, Mm. I try not to look during. In games because I think it completely kills what you're looking at because you're like, oh no, someone's now into the bonus points and that's taking me down by two thousand <laughs> places. Oh, but they've just lost that bonus points so and now we're at one thousand places and <laughs> it just you, you stop watching the football match and start worrying about how many passes they're completing or whether they just got tackled or you know ridiculous. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I try and look on a rolling basis and try not to be lewd to it throughout the day because it just means you don't watch the games as you said and it it just becomes a form of self-torture I think a lot of it depends on the game week as well so a week like this I won't look at the uh, something I'm doing badly But because I'm a human, um, on weeks I'm doing well, I do look at it and go, oh, look how well I've done versus the field. Oh, look, my punt's paid off. Those shiny stars have come home for me. So, I mean, it it definitely is one where it can be impacted by how well you're doing. Like, if you're doing great, you're going to be looking at your live FPL all the bloody time. Um, But I, I do think kind of that underlying mechanism, just knowing about it, and having players that I can't cheer for in my team because they're over 100% EO, that, that can, I don't know, it can just detract from the fun a little bit, I suppose, for me. But it and... does
0: manage your expectations, doesn't it? Because if they're oh. over 100%, you're like, oh, well, that's all right because at least I've got them. And you're not, like, whooping and cheering and then finding that they actually hurt your rank, you know?
1: But then you wouldn't know if that makes sense. Like It would just be like a magical sort of... You know, a magician a magicians have. So when right? you're
0: saying ignorance is bliss,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. Because there were there were eleven opportunities for joy before, and most weeks now it's probably about nine, right?
0: <laughs>
1: so I I kind of would prefer to be stupid and stupid and happy rather than clever okay. and unhappy. You know, I'd right, alright Yeah, maybe that's just me, but hey, there we go. And I think as well, this is quite worth just mentioning quickly because I think we're about to reach a turning point now. Where we're transitioning away, mayhaps from the uniform Haaland captaincy, with Rashford getting that 100% EO pretty commonly. I think he got it the last couple of weeks for the blank and Saka this week being the main captain. Next week, home to Bournemouth. Uh, next week, I think it's Haaland with Newcastle at home, Saka with Bournemouth at home, and Rashford's Liverpool away. But I, but I know that there'll be a loads of United fans playing FPL and B loads of people going, oh let's let's go with the uh, let's go with the form. So, I mean, I I suppose we're going to have a couple of situations now where you're basically playing with nine, a gainful nine in your team and two of players basically being completely fatic. Who cares about them? What do you think about that? How, How do you anticipate feeling about that?
0: I think we may be underestimating Harlan's pull. I think there was obviously good reason to leave him out from your captaincy decisions in recent weeks when there's been doubles. But in a single game week, I still think he'll have massive pull from an EO perspective. I wouldn't really wouldn't be surprised to see him around one hundred and forty percent, something like that, one hundred fifty percent. I I I think people will see a home game, and yeah, it's Newcastle and they're good defensively. But I think if he gets, you know, if he's looked after from a minutes perspective and looks fit, I still think he's going to be quite quite dominant on the captaincy stakes. But you may see Saka and Rashford get around the hundred percent mark, but I don't don't know if you'll see them go a long way above it. Yeah, I I just I'm not completely sold on the idea that they're a real threat to Harlan, given how dominant Harlan's been, and he's just got a ten-pointer, so people will see that he's now back in form.
1: Maybe I mean, but you but you, you might also see that all it, it will take is Saka to score a couple of goals uh, against Everton, and people will see, oh, yeah. cause he's got Bournemouth. Oh wow, well I'm definitely sticking it on him. That's okay. true. I think and,
0: midweek could pay a lot of yeah kind of. Yeah, inform a lot of people's decision-making just based on minutes and fitness and things.
1: Oh, Newcastle have been great defensively. Well, I'm not sure about Haaland now. Oh, I don't know. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it, I suppose, though, it's a bit unusual we've hit this juncture so late in the season because Haaland's been the captain for so long. We've seen that with Salah in the past, obviously. And in, in past seasons, we've had you know, Kane, Aguero and Salah all on the table week to week. And um, I, I suppose it's kind of a fact of life we've got to become reaccustomed to. But I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Like holding players for loss, effectively, and um, just using them as a shield. I mean, do you think it's a case of uh, bravery or foolhardiness to not remove a player like ha- Holland or Rashford if you aren't captioning them? I mean, we we just never do that, would we? So it's just a case of grinning and bearing it, isn't it?
0: Well, yeah, I think the the way you framed it I wasn't necessarily a bad thing in the sense that rather than seeing as a lost opportunity on the players that you haven't captained, it's a massive opportunity on the player you have captained because you're typically now looking at you think according to your Harlan predictions you know hundred and hundred percent hundred twenty percent right say that your players mm. on that you captain them that's a that's a massive like push that you're getting from a captain who you presumably think is the highest scoring player of the week or or close to it or you wouldn't mm. have captained them so, you know, from that perspective, I think there's like a benefit to it. So it brings captaincy right back into the game again as a, as a point of differentiation, which it hasn't been the case for a while. Um, and I do think you are right in the sense that we are just going to have to grin and bear it. But I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing either because you may not captain them on a given week, but you will want the opportunity to be on the best players in the game on a, on another week. So you've got that opportunity And I don't think you should lose players over EO if you believe that they're a high-scoring player, because in the end, we want points, regardless of who gets double the points, who we captain. You want the points. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up in ownership and differentials. And we have this conversation, you know, repeatedly over the course of the season, because people ask questions like, ooh, who's a good differential? Who can I, you know, get up the leagues with? which is great to a certain point, but you shouldn't be taking out high scoring players for the sake of it. And and ultimately we want the high scoring players in our teams. Um, I do think looking at live FPL's tab for ownership combinations can often highlight whilst various players may be popular, a given combination is much less popular. So for example, at the moment Rashford and Saka as a pair are only owned by 59% of the top 100k. So You may think that you don't have many differentials in your team, but sometimes the combination, like not everyone has all of those really good players. So you can still get a kind of small advantage out of it, even if it seems quite depressing. So I don't think it's all that bad. I think it's just about being nimble and being realistic about where you can get advantages and also appreciating that your captaincy can be really powerful at this kind of stage of the season
1: yeah I, mean, I think maybe i've just been on the bad side of so many brutal binaries when it comes to 50 50s I've, I've been left permanently scarred. but you are right and i think there's definitely a couple of things there the first thing is to take a step back and think about kind of none of this really matters all that matter is where you end up at the end of the season in terms of your points total and your corresponding rank so all these points go into that rather than the week to week Um. Yeah. Obviously. obviously We'd never remove a player like Holland or something if he weren't in the caps. that's just that's just mad. Maybe on a free hit, maybe I could have thought about it more this week and gone, oh, he's likely to be over 100. So maybe I could try a Zach. Thankfully, could, you didn't. I know, but I could, you know, could have tried like an Alvarez or something. Who knows? Um, but you know, it, it definitely. It's certainly something that maybe you could think about at some point in future. Um, I've, and the compound differential thing is definitely something I've spoken about a lot in the past. And I've, I've got written here as well. So, you know, add one player to another player, your ownership lowers. Add two players uh, to the, the first player, ownership lowers even further. It just makes you feel better that your team is still, despite looking very, very similar to everyone else's team on Twitter in some uh, cases, and it, it definitely is a unique team, or at least there is a way that you can be differentiated against the field um so yeah it's, it's definitely kind of it takes on a second level uh beyond just kind of player a versus player b it becomes player a and b versus players c and d and that certainly helps to kind of widen the perspective in terms of yeah my team is really really uh template but it's template be, altogether. it is not template if that makes sense yeah exactly so, there is some positivity there i mean do you reckon, is there anything else you can kind of put a positive spin on uh here, I mean, are there any interesting strategies surrounding maximising differentials within that sort of gameful nine? Or is it just the case that, hey, we're entering a stage where maybe we'll see two or three players with really high EOs. And it's just the case of you know, not being too, as you said, blinded by EO when it comes to those decisions.
0: I think the other positive spin we could probably put on it is that if you've covered off these very popular players and they're doing well you can kind of leave them to it and concentrate on optimising the other bits of your squad. So in a sense, uh, if everyone's on the same players, those gainful nine become more powerful, in a sense. They're the ones that govern your rank more directly. So if you can get those in good shape and you feel that you're ahead of the template, so to speak, and you've got some good differentials in there, you can push through ranks even quicker. So I think if you can get into those nine and, and kind of understand like how you might manage fixtures and push your way through the season, then they, they're they potentially even more powerful than they were with, with those lower ownership players, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. They drive those rank gains, don't they? And those differentials just take on the highest and prominence every week. And look, we've, we've had game weeks like that recently and it, it still functions the same way if there's one captain that everyone's got and everyone's got quite a similar team across the board. No, but for me, having Matoma, for example, just that one player outside of the player that everyone else owns, and you know, suddenly, suddenly, you, that turns your arrow from a red to a green. You know, it's, it can it can often just come down to one guy doing the doing the difference for you. So, it is um, it's certainly one of those where there are ways around thinking about it as just being a bit of a necessary evil, which it is, and maybe it's just the case of yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, but focusing in on that game for nine as we move forward um, and, and making sure that we get those differentials right. Let's see, especially if those people start wildcarding and the inevitable template team emerges. Is there anything you can do uh, to, to fight off what other people are doing? Right, very short and sweet this week. Transfers and captains. Let's ignore transfers for now, shall we? Um, but between Holland, Saka, Rashford, any ideas yet? Any notions of where you might go? Where are you bust?
0: I am bust on Saka, but I'm very tempted by Haaland still. That might be mental, but um, I still think he's a player that will get lots of chances just because of the team he plays for. Um, So, yes, I'm bust on Saka with Haaland VC, but it could change. I haven't really considered Rashford, seriously. Maybe I should, given Liverpool's XGC, but I just... I just can't get my my behind a an away fixture that's that's relatively difficult when they Saka and Holland have both got good home fixtures. So um, I'm sure midweek will probably help inform me a bit more. But um, yeah, I'm just heading towards Saka at the moment.
1: I've I've got on Holland at the moment. Um, Just I think that obviously Bournemouth for the weaker opposition. (laughs) Let's let's make no bones about it. So it may well be Saka. I, I may even. No, i'm not i'm not going to even pretend i'm going to go to god it'll probably be Saka or the two the two that i'd go for so we'll need to see i'll see what the captaincy calculators come out as and you see what happens really at the end of the day and i'm I'm afraid that that is kind of the abiding ethos of this pod which i knew was a short would be a short one and i hope we haven't undersold you too much but yeah and there's not very much we could say given the time of recording I think that's a lot. Um, we'll be back next week, as Lucy promised, for a full of fat pod, uh, thinking about where we're going to go with our chips. I, I really hope it won't be one where I kind of go, "Hey, I've wildcarded," and here's why. Um, hopefully, it'll be one. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I'll we'll still have it in then, or it won't be one where we're retrospectively explaining ourselves. But hey, we need to see. We need to see.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. We were who got the assist. You can find Tom on Twitter at wgta underscore FPL. And you can find me at Lucy Heineck with two Ts. If you enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe to the podcast. For new listeners out there, if you think you'll be coming back, please hit that five-star rating across platforms like iTunes and Spotify so more people can enjoy the pod.
1: So yeah, that's it. Speak next week. Enjoy the rest of the week, but not too much Saka Captainers. I hope we assisted you and speak to you next Monday. Farewell. Oh, it's a goal. Here
0: The assist, who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.